0: If you have humans
1: one-on-one, you're good. Two-on-two, two, you're good. Three-on-three three, great. There, Entering I a know. group of uh, folks that didn't look at me like, uh, didn't know who I was,
2: really. I have to tell them where I was. I like uh, to go to songs six, seven, and eight. Song that cool first, song on the first I never listened to the radio song. To sir. the intensity rather than the, one the one theory of the music.
1: Like upper mid, <laughs> upper range, like that. And I, you make something and you hear it, and then someone else that you don't know hears it too. That's why I, do this is great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The drums are gone.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sean Jenkins, the resident lack of knowledge person here at Meet the Middle. Wanted to chat a little bit today about one of my uh, one of my all time favorite quotes, which is the world is a big place and I want to see a lot of it before it gets dark outside. It's by John Muir. And, you know, a lot of times people think that that's referencing the outdoors. But I also think it's meeting new and interesting people and getting to know differences that make us separate, but also bring us together via uh, experiences, music, video games, movies, or just regular old conversation. And so as we kind of go into the holiday time, I think, you know, continuing this trend of the world's a big place. Let's bring it a little bit closer together and see more of it. And sitting next to me looking much better and much younger than I do at this point.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Meet the Middle. My name is Kiel Cha. Uh, So I wanted to talk about judging a book by its cover, and this is going to relate to this episode tonight. I think what drew me to punk, and I'm not saying I'm a deep listener, but besides my skating and surfing, there was an honesty about the music, especially the lyrics. Uh, When I was growing up, hair metal was the big thing, and all hair metal really talked about was sex, relationships, and broken hearts. Uh, All of that was... to uh, my parents and grandparents because all they saw was, you know, just uh, overt sexuality. So it's really horrible. However, that music in my estimation was horrible in some respects. And the reason why is because when I encountered punk music, I learned that punk was poetry in kinetic form and is intellectual shadows and it breaks the perceived uh, notions uh, of society. And it is the voice that's unheard of because most of society refuses to hear it. So with that being said, what I'd like to do is I'd like to introduce Israel. Joseph, Hi, uh, Israel, thanks for coming on. We're excited to have you on, man. Uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. Thank you.
1: It's good to be here, guys. Well, my name is Israel. And for most people who know me from since the uh, late eighties, early nineties, I am a musician. I started out uh, writing the album Rise, the group The Bad Brains, writing and singing on that record and touring that record extensively, writing much music after that and having another great encounter uh, with Fireburn, which you guys are probably familiar with, which I wrote and sang on, and having recently dropped
2: a new record called Meltdown, which is everywhere online. Yeah. I, I've actually saw it on YouTube. Uh, you have a YouTube channel, so I subscribe to it. And one of the things, if we could just start off about Meltdown, uh, if you're okay yes. right with that. So tell me a little bit about Love is Lovely. What was what was the motivation behind that?
1: You know, I'm a, a longtime fan of reggae music. Came into my life really early. And I'm a, a purist, you know, reggae purist. Where is that? I love uh, all types of reggae, but I really love the reggae that comes out of Jamaica, and that came out of Jamaica in the 1970s. That particular era bred a few branches of reggae, which I would name some of them as, uh, say, Rocksteady, or reggae, or roots, or and a couple of others, you know, uh, Nyabingi sound, which was more rooted than just percussion, but there was one particular sound that I like called uh, rockers. And the sound of rockers was a great sound because uh, it relied on not just the, uh, it relied on what I feel was everything combined, which was the producer's dub, ability to dub the record, the vocalist's ability to write a, you know, a nice little catchy thing, and then, but mostly the rapper's ability to freestyle over the thing in a positive, awful manner. I love that stuff. So that's really what Love Love is Lovely about. I'm trying to remind people really that in this era and time, we need love. That's the first thing. Love is the answer and it always will be. But it's in a joyous way, a rhythmic way. The original rap, I believe, could be traced back to Jamaica and to the Caribbean. So it's in a rap style, original rap. And it's an homage in the end to people like Big Youth and Eka Mouse. and. All the other great uh, Dillinger and all the other, forgive me if I forget brothers and sisters, but all the other great guys that came along in the 70s that would take a mic and talk on it and be cool. Except, of course, Daddy Uroy. How could I forget? And so, yes, that's what Love is Lovely is about. Just uh, reminding people that love is lovely and that, you know, you can't
2: let a style die. It's still fun. Rockers are still fun. You've got some really, really interesting. Uh, tracks on Meltdown. I was just reviewing some of them. And because what I usually like to do, and this is just me being weird, is whenever I grab a new CD and I start listening to an entire collection is I like to go to songs six, seven, and eight. And the reason why is because I always found that like songs six, seven, and eight were usually that first song on the B side of the cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. The first first songs were usually usually the banging songs Mm -hmm. on, on B side. And so Mm -hmm. I was absolutely happy that your six, six, seven, six, seven, and eight are banging. Wow.
1: That's a fascinating insight (laughs) that you have there. I'm serious. I've never, in my, I guess, going on 30 years of doing music, ever heard someone put it that way. But you know, that's in the mind of a producer, indeed, is in the mind, especially if, of course, a person I played, I wrote, arranged, composed, and performed and recorded and mixed all of it myself, by myself. And so yes, when you're, I also arranged the songs. And so when you're thinking of the order, yeah, you got to think of the last thing you want to do is make side B boring, right? Or make side B sound like it's just, so yeah, that's great. Super see, insightful. And, uh,
0: I, have, uh, I have nothing nearly as cool as that. I thought QL was going to say, pull out the paper from the cassette and look at the lyrics. That's okay. where I thought he was going to go. That was me. I was mm-hmm. like I'd pull out the cassette tape, pull out the lyrics and just try to find okay, this song looks cool and just immediately skip to that song versus I yeah. never listen to the ra- I never listened to the radio songs first just cuz those were always yeah. the ones I like they're good, they're catchy, they're kind of what made you buy the album back then because that was all you could yeah. ever hear but yeah, yeah I was always find the lyrics, this one sounds cool. I'm a, I read a lot and so if what I'm reading catches my interest, that's usually what grabs
1: me more than Anything else? Yeah, I'm a lyric guy too, absolutely. Lyrics are so important uh, to me as a writer, personally, first, because I started out as a poet, right, as a kid. I was a regular kid like everyone else, you know, running around, having fun, you know, uh, wrestling and stuff is the '80s. You know, we got no cable, no internet, nothing. Right? We just <laughs> those <laughs> we just, were the days. Those <laughs> were the look
2: for girls. You know, it's all different Yeah. If you were if you posh, if you were posh and rich, you had Pong. That game, Pong. That was right. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Atari and Pong. And uh, yeah. <laughs> you're just hoping to get the big square uh, rectangular cable box and you could press the big brown buttons on, yeah. but uh, no one could afford it. So you went to your friend's house who could, everyone gathered like every Friday night, like, ooh, could I watch TV? <laughs> Michael Jackson's on, you know? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, poetry inspired me to look at lyrics in a different way because I did have this vein for poetry. The minute I read Jimi Hendrix, are you experienced the lyrics to that? Well, the minute I heard a lot of Jimi Hendrix songs, I heard poetry. I heard I, uh, someone who gave me a freestyle poetry from the 60s, a teacher, and it, I heard it. I knew what iambic parameter was before they taught me. You know, it was rap music that really did it. I was rapping in the 80s. It was rap that taught me the flow and the seek for flow poetically and so yeah man i hear you brother it's lyrics are super important they have to be part of it in fact i have a dream of turning meltdown into a physical copies of like physical albums where the lyrics are printed on the back like it used to be or maybe in an insert where you
2: can actually see and read the lyrics as they are when you're setting up your albums is there a particular like Either a theme, a feeling, or an energy that you're trying to go for. When I'm listening, it doesn't sound like you're just haphazardly throwing tracks on your album, man. There's an absolute theme or meaning. Uh, at least I'm taking it that way. Uh, I could be wrong.
1: No, that's a that's a. I thank you for. Whew. Can I say, thanks for expressing that, man. That's awesome because yes, there is a feeling that it's, uh, it's driven. Every time I've written music in my life, even from a kid when I'm talking about poetry and all of that, it feels like it's doing itself, kind of stitching itself. I'm just the guy kind of guiding the machine, but the machine is running itself. I'm just a guy who's kind of guiding it and admiring what's happening. Cause it is happening fast and it's happening in another worldly fashion and it's kind of like a blank space that's happening in where i'm not kind of myself as i am right now conscious but it's kind of a so yes and then i'm able to there are other benefits where i'm able to listen to the songs i make as someone who didn't almost as someone removed from them if you will someone apart from them so they sound fresh that inspires my vocals that's what i depend to uh, inspire the vocals or the guitar solos when I listen back to the bear tracks that I wrote that morning or that afternoon. And yes, so they're doing that. I am inspired by the theme of not only my life and my own experiences and experiences of others around me, but what's happening in the world. So I'm going to try to say it in a way I can make sense when I make music. I'm not playing notes, I'm trying to play emotions. I'm trying to play feelings. I'm trying to play intensities of heart rhythm and intensity of pulse and intensity of that feeling you get between your chest and your bottom of your throat. I'm trying to play with that feeling you get in the sides of your jaws. I'm trying to play with that feeling, not the feeling of, you know. And therefore, to me, music, some of the simplest sounds sound like a symphony in my head i don't know why but i try to use that so yes thank you i'm really impressed that you heard that It's awesome so can i kind of jump
0: in just for a second i think that it's very interesting are you familiar with the band tool yes yeah so the song "Lateralus" at the end of that song references a little bit of that feeling of when you can feel that music move across your skin it's like you can feel it start in your brain and and go down and you can feel it yes and it was just that song was always really impactful for me because it's i would listen to music through the years and there would just be those that, that certain song or that certain part of a song or those lyrics or you know i always think of like when i first listened to like beethoven when i was my mom used to make listen to random stuff like that when i was a kid just certain things i listened to i'd get this sensation like that I could feel like the music moving across me. And it's so the way you just described it's that right it. there, it's like, you can definitely, you know, I definitely relate to that. And I can tell you that I've had that sensation and that feeling multiple times. And it is one of the more amazing feelings
1: that you can get from a musician. So that's awesome. Awesome, brother. Well, I'm really, uh, I'm thankful to be a part of that and to be a part of that force that's doing that. When I, I, too, when I hear, Beethoven and Mozart and the other greats and the modern greats like Hendrix and the very modern greats. I hear uh, when they're playing with soul and intensity. I guess it's soul music, you know, but it is it is intensity music. It's it's something else. It's beyond uh, just soul music. It's intensity music. It's feeling music. It's hard to describe it. I often thought of what after I heard Meltdown, and I thought, Wow, what what is this? Is this is Almost like I could see a conductor conducting this. This is very strange, but I thought it was something new that I heard it in its totality as I was as it was building itself. Now remember, my music was always building itself. I'm following along, playing to its, its laying the tracks, and I'm just on the train as it lays the tracks before me, and the train is going right bef- after the tracks are laid. So it's building itself, and I was hearing it coming together, and I thought this is going to be interesting. This sounds like everything in one experience but when it was done i i heard it and i went wow wow you know this is like and i tried to start the album with other songs other than now or never yeah and yeah. now or never was just screaming out to me i am the beginning you know and i just couldn't stop i was like i can't hear the album with any other beginning and yeah. the way it trailed on so yeah the feeling of music's intense for me
2: so yeah i don't i, I can't really like imagine a different song starting uh, meltdown. Yeah. And, uh yeah. The now or never. And the one of the things that I I loved about the album, especially the way that you sequenced your uh, your tracks, was the name of the last track, because that yeah. seems so fitting. You yeah, know, so. punks punks not dead, and yes. then that song is just it's just it was that finale. I I enjoyed how it finished at a very clean aftertaste. I guess. Nice,
1: very (laughs) cool. And it's very cool you're sensitive to all that because I was hoping there would be some out there that would be and I put it that way for a reason. I think that the soft feeling of love all around was kind of like a final, okay, now let's just sit and have a nice quiet talk for a minute after all of this that we went through and then remember PMA, Punk's Not Dead remember that
2: you know and that's that's you know and I'm so that's so cool
1: you picked up on that it's
2: awesome so yeah yeah you were talking about rap and influence and rap and I'm kind of interested to know what kind of rap you were listening to back then in the 80s because I have a couple of people that I used to listen to but I'm I'm, I'm really interested to know what which ones influenced you or influenced um, you the most
1: well I'll tell you how it started uh, I came to America when I was eight years old from the Caribbean from Trinidad. We heard rap down there. I was from Trinidad and rap. Everything was down there already. There were a lot of Americans and people traveling there. My mother worked for the American embassy. She had a lot of American friends. We were pretty much living in a first American style world. And I heard rap. I saw break dancing in like 75, 76, my brothers and David Patterson and all these people they were break dancing already, spinning on their backs, trying to stand on, you know, it was very early, right? And so I saw it, it was coming from New York and uh, we eventually moved to New York. We moved there in 1979. So I w- was in a different school with a different language, different accent, <laughs> with a card that said registered alien, like I was an alien, you know, like I'm an alien, you know, look, I'm, I'm from a different planet. But uh, no, so it's like, yeah, it's serious, man. I was like, I'm an alien, like, wow. Like they, they know, <laughs> they know about it. <laughs> but I showed up in school with a different accent and hard to understand, you know, but for some reason, when I tried rapping, I was, I had flow, man, something about those Run DMC records that I really liked them. And I understood what they were doing. Even the old Jamaican records, I had heard the guys talking on it. I understood where the rhythm was, you know, but 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 it's like I had a natural metronome in my brain. And that's a God gift, and I thanks for that. So when I wrote raps, I could, the early raps, you know, I'm gonna give a 1981 style. Well, my name is Is. I know the biz. I grab the mic. You wanna know what it is? I flow like water. You flow like butter. Man, I mess you on the sun above you. Ain't no one above me, king of the castle. That's what it's It's quite a hassle. I'll be smoking joints, not never death. I'm in seventh grade. I got rice that I'll be the, you know stuff like that like boom bap the boom bap you know so uh, I just that's got chills it, man <laughs> woo, that's what it started as that flow that going around like the galaxy man just like you yeah. in, the, in the universe it's flowing man it's, it's, it's a no, I can still rap I still would love rap to go back to that boom bap style that flow because it's it's it makes you it's hypnotic man it's like you could just churn ideas out of you. I thought I was going to be a rapper. I thought I was going to be a rapper with the work. So, all right, so I'm listening to Run DMC, and then I decided because I was growing up poor and all of that, and I didn't have no money, and my friends had money. I was growing up in a middle-class neighborhood as a poor kid from the other side of the, not tracks, but the other side of the road, Brush Hollow Road. And so I didn't have much money, but I had a great skill. I had pretty good looks as a kid, and I thought you know, you still got good looks, man. Still, uh, my brother, blessings. <laughs> blessings <laughs> to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, y'all too. Man. We rocking, man. But so I said, um, all right. So I'm gonna try to, try to be free with this. And and it was it was people like Rakim, people like Chuck D, of Public Enemy, De La Soul, a tribe called Quest, EPMD, Stethasonic's. Of course, going back to uh, LL Cool J's first record, Big Daddy Kane, the last of it, you know. Karras we got 100. DJ Tyler Rock. We got, of course, man, how could I forget? BDP Looking down Productions. sir. One. But just all through whatever was happening in 1982 to 1989, especially in the mid 80s, I was absorbing, I was absorbing it. There was no... Idea of me knowing about punk at that time before '87, I didn't know nothing about punk and hardcore. I was 16 in '87. I was, you know, in '82 I was 11. I thought I was gonna be a rap star. I was like, "My God, skills!" She was like, "What are you doing? We didn't bring you here to do this, you know." I was like, "I'm a musician. You don't understand. I have skills, and I love doing it. I love entertaining people." And she knew that time I was a kid, I'd be dancing around and singing, and I knew every song that every we had a little, I was telling this, we had a little radio that played the greatest hits of the 50s, 60s, 70s, CBS FM. It was a famous uh, broadcast from New York, and I grew in the 80s, and playing the greatest hits, 50s, 60s, 70s, and that was Crescent uh Brucie, I always talk about it, but that guy, Cousin Brucey, man, because my dad had that radio in that kitchen, he taught me, when I think about it, Cousin Brucey taught me my first, he gave me my first music lessons because he played all the grapes. I heard the Beatles, I heard the Stones, I heard doo-wop, I heard, I heard everything, okay, everything that, that was anything. Even at night, there would be off records, like really off kind of underground stuff they're playing, and I got to like that stuff, so I learned how to sing, basically, so it was rap music, it was that little radio, it was all the music playing on the radio prints, a combination of things it was, Jimi Hendrix played a huge role, so it was rap music, those guys I mentioned, but it was a lot of rock as well, rock and roll, and um, hippie music uh, from the 60s I liked. I just liked music. I liked people singing. Everything yeah. I saw as a kid was cool to me. Yeah. Nothing was uncool. It's like nothing was uncool. It was like, are you kidding? How could that be uncool? It's cool in its own way. I like it and it's, it's dope. I used to watch Video Music Box and he would play every, you know about Video Music Box? He would play ev- Ralph McDaniels. He would play everything. He would play every from. We go from Boogie Down Productions to uh, Boogie Down Productions, The Romantics, Eric B. and Rakim, Mr. Mister. We didn't have MTV, and he knew it. And he was a local broadcast dude, so that's what fed our heads in the eighties. Prince and all that stuff.
0: Well, that's this is me not knowing a whole lot about music in general, but what I found throughout the years is that people that play music love all music. They don't play music and say, "Oh, I just like country." that's it if they play music if they play music they like rap they like hip hop they like country rock punk ska because there each sound offers its own unique perspective on the world and they try to blend that into what they do and i think that's that's super neat that that's kind of what you grow up you listen to everything that's a, that's phenomenal <laughs>
1: Well, there was a, a link, an easy link for us to make. Like the internet is the link today. But the link in back then was music, but the link within the music back then was something, and I spoke about this before, was something called rhythm. Okay. Now rhythm is something that's really gone from today's music. And I noticed it as a musician. Music today is one, two, one, two, whether it's going one, two, one, two, or one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, or one, two. One, two, one. If you listen to music before 1987, like maybe 90, there's a, right? There's a rhythm in all music before that. Whether you listen to rock and roll, you know, there's a I'm hearing the
0: who as you're doing that for some reason.
1: I don't know why. Right, and I'm but, just making yeah. it up because yeah. you know why you're hearing the who's because that's probably what you're most familiar with with that kind of rhythm. But what the who was doing was what everyone else was doing, there was this thing called rhythm. That Everyone was dipping into the pot of rhythm and pulling it out and pouring it on their own band and going, this is how we sound as rock. That's how you sound as reggae. But the one thing that can unite everyone listening to us is we all got a good beat. It's got a good beat. I don't know about you. I don't like that rock stuff. But I tell you what, that song, it's got a good beat i don't like that reggae stuff but i tell you what that's song got a good beat i used to say yeah, that catch, it's got a, yeah. yeah. a catchy beat and yeah oh a catchy beat an old expression what happened it's because rhythm transferred from in the reggae it transferred into the rock It just the way blues transfers you've got to know blues to play all that stuff supposedly which i try not to which is why my mem- music bobby sounds so different because i'm trying i'm trying to invent a new thing without basing it on the blues at all but If not, play blues and you gotta, so everything's pretty linked, you know what I mean? Like a, like a mushroom mat, a mycelium mat that spreads out. So rhythm was the thing, but now I think it's missing in today's music. So, but that being said, today's music is awesome and it is for today's generation and it is what it is. I just think that it's hard for some to link the genres the way we used to, because the common thread that I recognize, which is rhythm is gone. And so that's hard to link all the musics together. But maybe there's a common thread that the youth recognize that I don't recognize. Somebody recognizes, it. Nah, you got to listen to that. And I hear some common threads. I hear some common threads. But we had a distinct thing that just, you know, you can see me on video, you know, we just, you know, yeah, it's made us move. Like, yeah, that's, that, you know, there was always well, some what? kind of funk, some kind of drive to it that had that had music had a drive. So you listen to the Black Sabbath, you listen to Parliament Funkadelic, and you get it. And black sabbath can sit around and listen to parliament funkadelic and funkadelic can sit around and listen to black sabbath because you get it you get what it's going on but it's just not like that anymore so but although people are crossbreeding though they're cross blending so to speak they're taking hey this is great this is great this is great and that's going to lead to something that's where it always begins that's what happens now, i'm trying as far as rhythm i'm trying to keep meltdown rhythmic i i, I thought about rhythm a lot with meltdown And that's what I was saying all this for, that Meltdown is a album that is based, A part of its base is rhythm. It's a conscious thing about making people go like, you know, like, (laughs) this is crazy or like, you know, just like jamming, making people do that again, you know, because it's been a while.
0: Yeah, it's funny you just did that because I I can't think of a recent song where I've sat in the car and just kind of bobbed my head like, yeah, but I remember plenty of times of sitting in the car listening to older music, you know, kind of doing the the head the head shake or whatnot so that's yeah. right
1: it's in- when the music is real and the rhythm is real the it's involuntary and i'll tell you why the brain is trying to make sense of every thing it sees like a, a movie with individual the old cameras didn't wasn't digital they would have film And so on the reel of film, each square was a picture and you could run it really slow and it would run click, 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 or you could run it fast and the person would look like they're getting up. And that's what pictures were, right? Just running those pictures at high speed and it'd be a movie. That's all the movies before 1989, before 1990. Every one of them, right? Nothing, no other technology. So music has that effect on the brain. If you have music that doesn't have rhythm, the brain is not, in my opinion, okay. I mean, this is just a discussion, right? The brain is not connecting the pictures to the picture that comes after, if you know what I mean. If, if you talk about music like a film, because in the film, it relies on the brain not seeing the division between the, the plastic between the two captions. It relies on that. Your brain must not see that, because if it does, then it would look like film black line, film black line, picture black line. Those black lines have to disappear. So film has to run at a certain speed, and the pace of it, meaning pace equals rhythm, has to be at a certain speed. So it is with music. Music affects the brain if it is at a perfectly timed speed and rhythm, and the brain is trying to make sense of the tick, 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 tick. tick. So it's going, it's doing that click, 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 click. But you're not doing that. You're going like this, and that's what rhythm is. Rhythm is an involuntary action of the body, the human body from creation. It cannot not be, it is that way because that's the way we are. And some animals are that way too. Some dogs are caught on film going like this too to some music, they, you know, you see them on the YouTube, they're jamming, man, they hear that music, they know what's going on. They're like, oh, it's repetitive. <laughs> I, you know, they grew up on it. We are like this as mammals. And music, if done right, can give us a good time. It's like getting high going like this, man. It's like, after a while, you're, what are you doing? You're going like this. And what am I doing right now? I'm a monk. In the mountain going, Even me doing that, if I sat here and did that for five minutes, y'all be like, all
2: right,
1: it's, it's, it's the effect of the music, but we, what we have to understand is bigger than that, it's the earth itself that is moving in that way, that is bowing to the sun and moving from the sun, bowing to the sun, moving to the sun because that's how we form our seasons, right? It bows to the sun, moves back, bows, moves back, bows, moves back. So all of that is wrapped up in sound, man, and
2: rhythm. So would you consider rhythm to be the thing that interconnects not only humans, but humans to the earth?
1: I think that rhythm is one of the main neurons to the earth. I think that rhythm, along with a couple of other things, is are really the essential keys that can combine us together as people because it makes us dance together, it makes us move together, it makes us congregate, and therefore that can produce peace if we control it in an intelligent way and in, in a constructive way. And so rhythm in music is super important, whether fast or slow. Or mid-tempo super important for that and then with that then that breeds enough uh first of all you're exhausting your physical because you're dancing so you're getting your blood going and you're taking your you're using your mind because you need to be Aware of your steps. If you're gonna move, you your mind clicks in to be aware too. It's not just a totally subconscious. You know, even if the shaman is spinning and spinning and spinning, he still has a little piece of his mind on whoa, where's that rock? You know, I don't want to trip over that thing, but most of his mind is he's enjoying the ride with the he or she is enjoying the ride. So that's where it's at. And with that kind of feeling, yes, we can connect with each other because that's a religion. That's a that's a that's a spiritual occurrence a spiritual you feel it too i feel it too And well that's great let's hang out and talk well that makes the world a better place because two intelligent people talking can create intelligence more intelligence and more rationality and a world of reason and that's what we need so it start with rhythm starts with eating right and all that and you know there are many other things we can talk about but rhythm is a key
2: Okay. And again, just like punk music, it's starting to show startling truths that people generally ignore. Or or should I say obvious truths that we all ignore. Because if you think about rhythm, you think about how people talk about they need to be in sync or, you know, in tune, or you know, all of the all all of this which which denotes rhythmic connection. So yeah, I can see that. Very true. It's almost it's scientific almost. It's almost scientific.
1: You're right. Being in sync, being in tune. These are the key uh, phrases of the modern era. And you're absolutely correct. It breaks back down to having a sense of rhythm, being in rhythm with the earth. You know, there's a frequency the earth puts out called earth resonance frequency that we can resonance uh, frequency that uh, we can tune into, man. And, and uh, mothers have it after they have a baby, they vibrate. All mammals vibrate at earth resonance frequencies after they have babies. That's why the baby's always sleeping on the mama. And, you know, the earth vibrates all the time for us, but we've covered her with concrete and everything. So we're not, we know, it's hard to feel it in asphalt, but the earth does, if you walk in the grass barefooted, you know, you, you sit in the grass and deal in the grass, you'll feel it, You'll it's still there deeper into the forest you go the more you feel it because then the more you expose yourself to the mycelium mats that are out there in the forest especially up in Oregon and Washington and that stuff is really healthy because that's the planet's brain so you're really connecting then so yeah it goes deep it goes really deep rhythm is a very very key thing that would help us break the spell that's what we're trying to do break the spell we are under a spell we're under a spell of being cargo on a ship being taken around as bounty mental bounty and we have to break the spell of being mental bounty bound to things bound 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 we have to understand we're the human team human we are team human being we're the upright walkers go upright walkers and upright walkers care about things we care about bears we care about forests we care about trees we also care about other upright walkers no matter what their color and we care to have a sensible government that can guide us because we ain't got no real time to be guiding this whole thing. So we need y'all to be sensible, right? We need some laws. But, yeah, we team human. We're supposed to be the partying. we supposed to be chilling. Enough money to chill. Right? Well, so, Well, and I think
0: it was the George Carlin quote where it's like, if you have humans one-on-one, you're good. Two-on-two, you're good. Three-on-three. But once you get to five or ten, everything starts to fall apart. Yes, yeah, for some reason, I, number. I think that's, that's one of those big things is that the bigger cities get, the more disconnected everybody comes, becomes from everything because you don't get the experience of, you know, like you said, go walk outside, go walk in a forest, go hang out and camp, go. If you go with five people, the five of you are going to feel connected together in sync with each other the whole time you're out there, but you take five people, put them in a city and have them just in a city sitting there and if they you don't get that
1: connection necessarily Yeah, well, the idea idea would then be to redesign cities, to be to uh, rethink the concept of cities and what they are and what they look like and what sort of light facilitated into these buildings, uh, how they look, the type of insulation, the type of renewable energy sources that can be attached to the side of the building, trees, places where trees can be allowed to grow, and the dismantling of some cities, you know, the the, the taking away of some obstructions that are not serving any direct purpose or repurposing them for the, for the homeless. And uh, making sure that maybe one of the jobs that you would give the homeless who now have a home is to go up on the hillsides and plant trees instead of, uh, you know, and, and so we can we can rethink this, but I agree with you that we need some sort of escape to nature, therefore our cities must be planned with that in mind, there must be freeways built into gigantic parking structures that folks might go and discover in a safe way, nature. And the only way you can be safe is if you re educate the public, you teach them how not to be unsafe, how not to hate their neighbor. Now that's where it really starts. So then, when it really gets to that point, then you open those highways, you build those freeways into the forest, and you say, look, Go really. We're we're gonna stop for about 40 years destroying the forest. Go feel what this is, you know, and let them let them feel it. We'll change. We'll You're making understand. too much sense. You're making too
0: much sense right now. You gotta you gotta reel it back in a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's it's crazy that I'm making sense in a world that shouldn't be a natural understanding. If I am making sense, then I've known this since I was a kid. And I've always been like, well, what's the deal? You know, like, why can't they just? And some people think it's fanciful, but when you understand the type of money that is sloshing around on Wall Street, just the futures markets alone, which is not even real money, and you understand the type of money that's sloshing around in the hands of places that are old holders of money, I don't have to mention who they are (laughs) at Catholic Church, uh you know i don't have to say who they are of <laughs> the london um i don't have to say who they are. okay but no i respect to you guys you know i know they're gonna hear this so that's i know what you know you oh. got somebody to play that part right somebody got to do that right so it, that part it, is hey, the destiny
2: hey it's hey, it's, it's, it's all good they, that, can, right? they can come at me it's uh, if, right yeah. so, I, I usually tell people you got but, seven billion people to choose from and you decided to pick on me that's smart let's see how this works out <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm on. A, I'm as unimportant as anybody else is. So like, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But but no, but I'm going right to accelerate out the uh, out the side turn here and just say that there's enough money around in the world to actually fund and house every homeless person, and there's enough money in the world to design a world where when you're born, everyone is provided with. Somewhere in the world, in some sort of series of buildings that are well managed, really well managed, not well managed like, you know, poorly well managed, I mean, seriously well managed, Uh, everyone is issued a 15 by 15 place. Where there's furniture, you get allotment from the government, and as you're born, welcome, uh, welcome to planet Earth. This is what uh, you have as a baby. This is what you have as a man. It's what you have as a, a woman. It's what you have until you die. You're only going to be here about 80 years. But this is what you got. It's 15 by 15. It's government allowance. Healthcare and glasses and teeth and all you need. And then we'll give you some, you know, we'll give you uh opportunity to go out and do what you want to do really. You know, you want to plant trees. You want to study. You want to go to college. Okay. That's the world we've developed here as you're born. But as you get older, you'll learn about another world that we have over here. that's more free-wielding involves something we call money where we free with some of you from this world have graduated into that world because you're able to create a product that the whole of us both worlds need this world which is not neglected at all which is provided with health and and you guys are warm in the winter and everything else we try to cater to your needs this world is just one level It's the level of survival. It's the level that we don't want people to be homeless because it's not right, it's not socially right, it's not spiritually right. But you can graduate out of this world and come into this world. You can own a mansion. You can own a big, you can own a Maserati. You may have a product or you may make paintings in this world or you may do something great. You may discover something in your microscope you're able to purchase on your government funds that we never knew about. So therefore, You have the choice now to stay in this world and you may not want to, you may wanna cross over, but you may have to, you will have to leave this behind for someone else that's born, which is all cleaned up then and taken care of properly. And so in this kind of a world, we have a system that the, those who have, are turning it back into the newborns in a set place. That's not separate, but equal, but together and equal, and these newborns, then, like in my case and my brother's case, would have a chance to say, "Well, my brother is more of a Capricorn, so he wants to, he wants to go out and do what he do the society thing." I'm I'm an Aquarius, and I'm very different. And for me, the 15 by 15 would have been perfect. I would have been like, "Okay, great." I'll stay right here. My brother would have been like, okay, I'll stay here for until I'm 19. I'm out of here, bro. You don't want to get out of here. No, I want to go get the house. Like, oh, okay, great, brother. All right, brother, man, there's no hate. I'm telling you, these two worlds don't hate each other. They understand each other because we understand overall that human beings really just want to chill. So the dudes in the other world getting it ain't hating on these dudes. They're just like, oh, that's human beings. I'm probably a team human. That's who we really are. We just out doing doing some extra. That's how it should be looked at right now anyway. But in that world now, I would stay and I would be the artist, the poet at first, then the painter, then the musician, then the singer, then, you know, it would evolve in this, and it would have been a different thing for me to create more, it would have been more coming out of me as opposed to having to struggle to get the jobs and, you know, do all that stuff, which produced music, but what kind of music did it produce? What, what kind of music would I have produced had I not had those struggles? Would it be more beautiful? Would it be more harmonious, more offering of peace. What would words have been like? I often think about that. But that's what it was. But I think if they give this type of situation a chance, it would breed so much innovation, so much uh, inspiration, uh, so much art, creativity, discoveries. And out of that world, out of that world we were talking about, would rise creators into that other world and would affect everything else. But right now we can't have it because people are struggling. And when you're struggling, you're told you're an animal, you're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, you're undeserving, it must be your fault. Look at this economy, everyone's doing great. Why aren't you doing great? Neglecting the fact that the rich people have psychologists and psychiatrists to visit when they feel depressed. And I'm not doubting the rich, I'm just saying those who have, a lot of the have-nots, who do not have natural feelings in this way to say, hey, why don't you, why don't I donate a lot to this situation and whatever, which a lot of them do. I'm going to make a bigger point because I'm I'm getting into the weeds with that. I'll get out of those and say, look, we have a world based on, on the have and the have-nots. And whoever is allowing the have and have-nots to exist has to most likely be those with the haves because the have-nots really are involved with the system that has them corralled. They are not the system. They are part of the system. So there is a system built around them. So who has ever built the system around the have-nots must say to themselves, it is better for us to feed a man than to let him be hungry because then that means I can't walk the street either. And it's not only just good for my karma, but it's good for my economic well-being. I now can walk the street without a guy wanting to attack me. Because he's poor or because he's high on drugs. Because, you know, what I was going to say was those in control, when they feel depressed, they can go to a psychologist and say, I feel depressed. They can go to a psychiatrist and say, I feel upset. Something has bothered me and I feel like killing myself. And they say, oh, sir, don't you kill yourself. That's absolutely unacceptable. Here are these drugs. Take them. Pills, one a day. Come back and see me in a week. Guy comes back, he goes, I feel, <laughs> I don't know, I'm happy <laughs> you know. He goes, all right, come back and see me two months. Back to see me two months. I feel pretty good. I think yeah, right? There was a, uh, but, I read a but, but, book. So I, 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 I'll, I'll make this quick point. The guy on the street doesn't have that option, is my point. He doesn't have the option of going to see his psychiatrist. He has, he has to get street drugs to keep, cure his pain. And that's what we have to look at and say, man, these are hu- this would be a human being had it not been for his pain, his or her pain, and had it not been for these bad things they turn to for his old pain, let me have some feelings and try and do so anyway.
0: I was Well, I was gonna kind of reference what you were saying about where, when you have the ability to take care of yourself, you do. Uh, I was reading a book and the guy talked about how he had never tried, I want to say it was Xanax or Prozac or one of the antidepressants. He just never no. tried them before and mm-hmm. he was feeling kind of depressed. So he went to a psychiatrist and got Prozac or one of those two. And he right. said it was like a light switch went off in his head when uh, he started taking right. it. Right. So like he, it came was, to life. Right. he got the yeah. chemical
1: his brain was not producing.
0: Yeah. And, whatever he, whatever that, yeah. Uh, and he said that he stopped taking it. That was almost like he described it like you remember that movie, uh, was it Limitless? Was that yeah. what it was? With Bradley, where yeah. he took it, and the world was kind of subdued, and then yeah. all of a sudden it just got bright. Yes. He said it was kind of like that. That that was that's kind what cannabis troubling. did for
1: me, actually. Yes, but I hear you. Yeah,
0: right. And Correct. so it is. I think making sure that having a system that helps everybody versus a system that helps some, and I think that that is how you build that system. Is personal opinion again. I won't go on a rant on this one, but. I think the current system has needs new blood that understand that there's a better way to do what we do and do it in incremental steps to make sure because big nobody deals with big change. Good. Nobody does. You, you try to change right. anything big for people. They fall apart. You get you get. Yeah, they freak out. Everybody. That's a thing. People just freak out. Do yeah, it over it feels time. Like like
1: like you you said. feels like they're losing something. It feels like yep. they're losing something like that's something going to be 40
0: year plan like come up with a 40 year plan just kind of like what you had said of this is what we're going to move towards and then have leadership that is not afraid to say it's going to take no, us 40 right. years let's right. do that versus that's eh, in five years this is what's going to happen you'll freak no out Fifty percent. yeah no way but that's no what way. we get told though in five years we got we're gonna because, do that. because we have
1: president changes and i'm not knocking democracy but every yeah. four years to change presidents, so they know they can only make these five-year plans. What we need to do is say, "Look, America is based on reason, na- national reason, and national reason dictates that we have set up confines that can get us through the next 30 years with a plan for 30 years to go to go for 30 years." That means it has to be beyond presidencies and all of that. Climate change is a good example. Set up a 30-year plan for climate change and we win. We win. Set up because you have a time to look in 10 years at the results. In 20 years, you look at your results of the first results, if you will. And in 30 years, you examine what you have done. And I guarantee you, if you make a five-year plan, they'll lose because climate change is not bang on five years. It, this is geological God talking. This is polar caps saying we are no longer going to exist for you. And what are you going to do? So we got to bargain with geological gods. And so we have to think long term. And they don't want to fight us. They want us. It's a wake-up call. So earth is waking us up as the pro- as the property owner and saying hey man get up because we actually own this but you are the caretaker and we need you to get up and caretake uh because it's all getting credit parties crazy stop sleeping and so <laughs> basically stop sleeping party's crazy it's out of control Icebox is melting right yeah.
2: the heater's busted it's crazy yeah but well, like with climate change just uh Brief comment is I've always thought, why don't we start working towards saving the environment? Because the best we can do is save where we're staying because, you know, this is our home. The worst we can do is make no changes. But if we don't do anything about climate change, the best we can do is make no changes. And the worst we can do is basically fuck everything up. Well,
1: if uh, if we make no changes, that would be good. But it's kind of scary because what what's happening is we have what. You know, in my own expression, that little angel, uh, Greta Thunberg, called feedback loops, which is something that caught my ear because that's a musician kind of term, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Jimi Hendrix will tell you about feedback loops, right? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. With the amp, and and that's a a musician's kind of term, But it's clever. Came up with that, you know? And so that is truly what is happening. That even if we don't do anything, which is the reason why we have to do something, is because right now we're at the point that within six or seven years, the level of CO2 in the atmosphere is gonna be so great that the feedback loops, as Greta Thunberg mentioned, between the rising temperature and the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere and the melting of the ice because of the rising temperature and the release of methane up in the north is going to start as she said becoming a feedback loop which simply means the end of the snake will be in the mouth of the snake and then there will be no stopping it it will be a continuous circle then right now we're we're edging we're edging but soon the snake will open its mouth and the tail will enter and we're edging we're about here maybe And she's telling us, we're all saying, you know, John Kerry, John Kerry's trying pretty hard. Actually, I've been listening to that guy. He's pretty pretty on it, you know, we'll see what he does. But the tail is edging towards the mouth of the serpent to make the circle. And once it makes the circle, bro, that's it. That's called the feedback loop she's talking about. That's never gonna stop. Then we're in trouble. Then we just have to hunker down, find our caves, Get on our paintbrushes and start painting horses.
0: Have you so have you ever heard of uh, Charles C Man? Have you ever heard that
1: name? Sounds really familiar.
0: He writes, I want to say it's for Science Magazine, I think. He had a TED talk. And uh, if you look it up, just look up, you know, Charles C Man, Wizards and Prophets. And it's a TED talk about the environment and climate change. And one of the things that he talks about is that We're so locked in this binary system of thinking about climate change of it doesn't exist, it does exist, and it's almost a 50-50 split that people aren't willing to accept that this side has good ideas, this side has good ideas, and instead of saying we have to do all of our ideas, or no, we have to do all of our ideas, you take a blend of those two things to get to where you need to be. And we have to find leaders that say that, and then that execute that. And one of the examples, and I don't want to ruin it for you because it's probably it'll probably be the best eighteen minutes you'll spend one day if you have eighteen extra minutes of time. Because (laughs) I reference tonight, I'll I'll watch it tonight. But he talks about genetically modified foods, and he's like, if you talk, genetically modified foods are proven to be safe for consumption. You can grow them in Africa in the deserts. You can where they're pest resistant, they're drought resistant, they're all of these foods, but then what are people really, really afraid of? Genetically modified foods. Like they want, I want organic food. I don't want the modified stuff. Like everything's tagged organic.
1: The the argument against genetic modified food, besides the obvious, which is a couple of uh, people who have you know i mean i'm I'm not going to argue either way i'm just stating what the other yeah side oh, yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, you know there have been a couple of people who have gotten horrible tumors and the uh, judges uh, in their court cases have ruled that monsanto the producer of roundup the devil. The devil. Oh, no i'm not i'm not really you know i'm just i'm just relating it as a news thing But Monsanto was responsible for the chemical glyphosate in the Roundup. And glyphosate has been proven to be a carcinogenic and tumor-causing ingredient. And so because this farmer was using it, he developed horrendous tumors. Now, all of us don't develop tumors. Some of us go in the sun, and the sun causes tumors. Not everyone has that, Right but it doesn't mean that the sun is not causing tumors. The sun does cause tumors, okay? Causes skin cancer. Same thing with glyphosate. Not all of us have bad reaction to glyphosate, but it does not mean that glyphosate is not a cancer causing agent and a dangerous chemical. And so some of us are getting terrible diseases, right? According to the research, that's the first point. And the second point is that the Insects we depend on to create crops like corn and other fruits and vegetables and uh, honey and stuff. They don't eat these crops that Monsanto grows. They refuse to touch them. They don't eat them because they're full of pesticides and they're smart. And the bees say, I'm not gonna eat that stuff. But sometimes the bees have no choice. So they like drugs. They have to eat and they starve to death. So they go and suck the Monsanto flowers happening is hordes of colonies of bees honeybees are dying all over the world and so it made the plants may not be dying but our pollinators the gods i use these expressions but the gods of our food chain the ones who produce our food that we eat the bee is a god you know in egypt he was a god he was a god because he they knew his relation to food he is the man if without him we're done If the bees go, we're done. Oh, one hundred percent. Oh, yeah. And and seventy-five percent of our insect population have died in the last forty years, and mostly in the last twenty years. So we're losing our insects, including the bees. They're dying. Yeah. So this is most of the without getting into all the other obvious and other uh, connective fights that is against this stuff including the fact that we are eating something that bees don't eat that we're eating something that the deer won't eat and traditionally mankind has eaten what the animals ate that's how we learned we learned that insects eat this deer eat this the animals like eat this the cows eat it and therefore it must be at least safe for us and the things we didn't like the grasses we didn't like we left behind we said well that's for them But the ones we did like, we ate it up. And we've been doing it ever since. But what about now? They're not eating the Monsanto stuff. What do we do now? See, we're we're not sensitive to that because we're able to go buy food at ease. But once we get back to having to understand the relationship between bees and that, then we'll stop using Monsanto. But that is neither here nor there. I can't say that my, I would wait for your response to that, I mean. Oh, no,
0: I was just gonna, and that was the point of reference is what he talks about is that there's going to have to be a balance between things that people are against on both sides to get to where, and he calls them like stopgap technologies, like bridge technologies, where we can't do this right now. So we need to have something that gets us to where we need to be. And how do we work together to accept that I don't know all the answers you don't know all the answers so let's talk it's like fracking answers yeah pretty much it's like we know fracking's bad it was like and so how do we we just need to find a way to get away from oil and fossil fuels and what is the technology that can get us there in the interim to get to a technology that can provide clean free i always go to remember that movie the saint with val kilmer did you ever see that movie yeah at the end Same. with the light bulb was a fission or was a fusion or fission Still, fusion, or fusion? Fission. yeah fusion yeah so we need to find the technology that gets us to that point where we have that some type of technology like that to where energy just becomes free because if energy was free the world that you described earlier becomes very simple very easy to do because then you don't have to worry about one of the biggest costs which is energy
1: well, I'll tell you, there's a couple ways of solving that, a few ways. Um, but I'll start by saying, you know, in the 20s and 30s, even earlier than that, on Long Island, the Warcliffe Towers that Nikola Tesla set up was going to transmit energy, which did transmit energy to objects. And he set up the Warcliffe Towers on Long Island, and he was planning to set them up all over and they were gonna transmit energy from the Warcliffe Cliff Towers to your toaster. Everything would have to be redesigned. That's why they destroyed him because he was going to revolutionize our planet. Toasters, everything that had just been brought to market, he was basically saying, take it all back and make it so it runs off this instead of a stupid cord. And they wouldn't. Because, you yes. know, Westinghouse and these other yeah. companies had a huge hold, stranglehold on this whole manufacturing and stuff. But Tesla built the Warcliffe Towers, which they burnt to the ground. But he was provi- going to provide, so that's the first thing, right? He was going to provide free electricity. But free, the concept of free electricity is human. Rivers flow is the free electricity first free electricity you would build a wheel with a bunch of cups sitting in various distances around the wheel depending on how fast you wanted the wheel to run if you wanted it to run really fast you put the cups very close together if you wanted the wheel to run really slow you put them just four cups one on each corner of the wheel and you would sit it Above a river, and the water would hit the cups, and the wheel would run. And as it the, the ones with the closer cups would uh, move faster, ones with so and this would turn something, turn, and you would attach a stick to it. And that stick would project outside of the river. And there you have a turning stick. And with a turning stick, you can do a lot. With a stick that's turning independently, you can make a lot of stuff. You can make a bloom, you can make a um, moving another piece that's, you know, grinding corn or something else that's sanding something, you know, a turning stick. And from there, you can make turn other types of turning things if you know how to use the water and the use of water in sunlight and the time of year, you would make these objects because the sun was hotter, all took the knowledge of Prisca theology. I could tell you a little bit about Prisca theology, if you'd like to know, which is really one of the real absolute uh, religions of the planet that we are hidden from. But I happen to, you know, know a little bit about it and I can tell you, but it was dependent on Prisca theology, the knowledge of the sun and its path along the sky and uh, when to build these objects in order to get the greatest benefit. And it was all free, dependent on the sun. We did not depend on... People forget that we we as humans ran a world, a viable world without electricity for thousands of years. The Egyptians had a culture that can be traced back 3,000 years before Jesus, to, to the earliest king's dynasties. 3,000 years they were building, and before that, they can trace it back too, but it's, they said, oh, those were just, they called, the Egyptians called them the gods, but they were mystical kings, but yet they can't explain the pyramids or how they cut granite to such fine precision, microns wide and birds cut into solid pink granite without a single mistake repeatedly or any other stone they wished without a mistake. Saw marks. So these things, all right, so we've been using free electricity for a long time. The concept is new of charging for power and food and all of that because someone or some group along the line became extremely out of control of their uh, OCD, nature to control, uh, need to control. And that need to control led to gathering all the resources and all the water and all everything else into one place so they can sell it back in little increments, like a game. And suddenly that was a shock to humanity. But they're doing that with power now. They've harnessed electricity, not they, but, you know, the, the, the ones who would sell it have harnessed electricity. And the ones who would sell it are now selling it back. So it's a, it's a thing, it's a game that's been played with stones and fruits and carts and horses and you know, bows and arrows and all the way through history. Someone's trying to control it, but we can give it for free. You were talking about an interim. What is the interim? The interim uh, between what we're doing now with with fossil fuels and then is actually something that's going to horrify man. The interim is slowing down first. The car is going too fast. We're out of control. The car is going too fast we have to slow down first. That's the first thing. Tap on the brakes. Second thing is try and correct the direction the car is going in because it's flopping all over the freeway. And if you're not careful, we're going to flip over. So tap on the brakes and try and correct the direction. Turn into everything. (laughs) Turn into something. Turn into it. Become something. Turn into it like you do with a car but then so those things are hard to do because that means man has to reflect and when do people want to reflect all right but say we can reflect say we can reflect say it is time that we woke up and say okay what is reflection yes we can do that so we sort of pull on the brakes that means that we're not really we're really smart we're not really concerned about our personal lives because our little use of fossil fuels means nothing in comparison to the governments of the world's use of fossil fuels. We are microdots. We are little. We can do something. It's not. It is perfect that we do something, but we are really just an example for them to do something. Because let's take, for example, God bless them, the U.S. military. That's using more fossil fuel than anything else anywhere. That needs to come down. That needs to turn into re- renewable fuel, uh, renewable energy. The ships need to be outfitted with hundreds of solar thousands of solar panels all over every ship you can find, all over every tank, all over every everything you can find should be outfitted with the appropriate amount of resources and then use oil for that. And after that's done, then the money saved on oil, Would be then returned into our society now, which is using far less of oil than all that is right. So that money saved now on that one tank that's now drawing its power from the all great sun. Man, he's so awesome. He gives us everything, bro. But Bob, Bob, let we go. Ball in the sky, just hanging out. You know, friendly, nice, sun, giving us everything we need, right? It's awesome. So we get that sun going for that one tank times a billion all over the planet, how many machines they got. For the cops, I'm talking about for all authority. And then when that happens, we take the savings from that one tank times billions and we turn it back into the society. That's one way. And we get us all new cars we get to junk all the old cars, turn those into something else, right? You can go all the way down the road with that. You know where I'm going with that. Yeah. Another thing we can do is we can get people to stop eating as much animal flesh as they do. Believe it or not, animals, cows are putting out a lot of the methane in our atmosphere. And it's a funny subject, but cow flatulence, cow farts are among the biggest contributors to methane in the atmosphere. And methane is a gas, an explosive gas. If you get it in a bottle, it'll blow up. So, you know, our consumption of meat is the water that cows consume. It takes so many gallons of water to make a gram of meat and like a fraction of the gallons of water to make anything else that's plant-based. So we need to think about water, CO2, which is melting the ice because of the increased warming that the gases create. We need to think about taxing futures, markets on Wall Street, which is just imaginary money that they're betting on the height of the market at a certain percentage. And then outfitting all the militaries of the known earth with renewable energy things, machines, uh, ways of collecting from the sun. And once that's done, then we turn to us. We say, okay, your house, because of all of this money we've saved, is gonna be covered with solar panels for free, Mrs. Smith. And you'll never have to pay for uh, electricity again. And But okay, so you want to know why they don't do it, man? You want to know why a guy like me, normal dude, whatever, knows that, and then you won't hear that on TV or you won't hear the president come out and say, hey, this is what we're going to do? Because they have a horrific fear of something called population. And they believe if they do that, The population will rise because of the comforts at such a level that they themselves will be in jeopardy. They will suddenly be less for them, whoever they are. And so, I appeal today that that's not what's going to happen, because the more scientists you breed through proper education and through a well-fed diet is the better this planet's gonna function it needs that that's why we're here and it doesn't function by brutalizing it and wasting it and squeezing it because we've got nowhere else to go it functions by brain empathy function brain and empathy the two lobes you know your brain got two lobes left and right friend the right lobe of your brain right lobe of your brain is what you're thinking about business in the world. It is the lobe of reason. In the left lobe dwells the lobe of art and musicians and all these other things, so and philosophy. There's a line between these lobes we need to cross. Like Neo in The Matrix when he Morpheus asked him to jump from one building to the other. Those buildings represented, the, in my opinion, the hemispheres of the brain from the right lobe to the left lobe where you can be a free thinker for this new age of Aquarius that's upon us. And that's all that is.
2: You're awesome. So it is some heavy stuff, but all I'm hearing is the underline of the meaning of punk music and why it it exists, is to be able to tell the truths that people have a tendency to, to, to ignore. That That's fucking absolutely beautiful, dude. <laughs> um,
1: Rebel music is punk music is the... That's what turned me on to it as well. Actually, uh, we went uh, into a conversation, but I wanted to reflect on what you were saying earlier that punk was a doorway for you to contribute without having to feel like you were doing something that was against who you were personally. The whole rock and roll scene got a little out of control in the 80s with the sex and drugs and rock and roll. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in the same type of environment where my I, I looked at it, saw it on, my folks didn't really understand why is that so extreme. And so I thought it was great, you know, as a kid, it was awesome. And I was rocking along, but by the time I hit 17, 18, I decided that I'm not going to be the one to get burnt out on drugs. That was my first inkling not to do drugs. So as a musician, I just didn't want to die at 27. I didn't want to be the part of the 27 Club. All about the time I got to 27, I wish that was. Oh my God, this life is crazy. But uh, anyway, I still never got on drugs anyway. But yeah, I just never wanted to be part of that. I didn't want to be burnt out. I didn't even smoke herb until I was 20 years old. I refused. Herb helped me focus it got me out of being such a daydreamer i was really like you know i'd stare <laughs> in his face and be like i'd be recording everything be like i tell you everything you said back but you know and but herb made me more focused yeah but i'd write a poem i'd be all into it dancing happy but then you catch me like no one's saying nothing to me It is real, you know <laughs> stop daydreaming you know daydreaming is what they call it daydreaming yeah prize daydreamer. I could have won, I could have won an award for daydreaming. They kind of like, you the prize. I think there's a daydreamer
2: over here in Well, I was a kid and it uh, felt pretty good. I heard everything, but boy, it didn't feel tingling. <laughs> so I just wanted to touch back onto some of the older stuff. I was watching the, the live show Fireburn on YouTube, just because I wanted to see you live, you know? So I was rocking to that. And one of the things that, It reminded me some of the tones and some of some of the instrumentals, it reminded me a little bit of destruction, a little bit of token entry. And you have a head voice and a a nasal voice that's very much on the upper mid to upper range of like Mike Patton. And I heard that. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, this this dude is just, you know, I can I can sit here and just and and vibe through and jam out and listen to you. Uh, One of the things that I, I liked was because uh, i i i ever I periodically because i'm weird uh, i like to do comparisons so i'm taking speed metal and i'm making comparisons to some of your old stuff and one of the things that i noticed about speed metal was i can find that four four beat mm-hmm. you know in speed metal mm-hmm. so you got that speed you you got the guitar you got the drums but if you always take a listen to that that foundational beat it's always just that same rhythmic beat doesn't matter yes. how fast the guitar is it doesn't matter how fast the you know the the double bass the drums are, you know. Yeah, you'll you'll still you can always just drop it back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff with yours where you didn't have that, like it, it wasn't like immediately present on that beat. I actually mm-hmm. literally had to find you mean, that you mean, melt with, you mean with meltdown? Yeah, I literally yeah. had to find some of that, yeah. some of that, some of the rhythm. I had to find it, and mm-hmm. that was. That was some of the more interesting aspects of, of what you're, of what you're making is mm-hmm. to be able to like obfuscate you know uh, certain things that that like speed metal. you expect speed metal to be head banging really fast, everything else, but no, but if you listen to it yeah. you can just you can see it, it, it's all it's all very fast guitar, very fast drums, but you can also just hear that cadence. Yes, hear Absolutely. that rhythm. So, and just talking about it, you really, that's crazy because,
1: you know, you make something and you hear it and then someone else that you don't know, hears it too, is why I do this. This is great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The drums are going, uh, for instance, the album is with uh, Now and Ever. So it's one, two, three. Maybe you never thought about it, yeah. it was never on your mind, <laughs> but it's not or never, and And what it's maybe you never thought yeah. about yeah. It, you know? Yeah. and Maybe you never thought, you know, and it's maybe you never thought of pogoing, you know. <laughs> maybe you never thought of it, you know what I mean? I can't, man. It's and so, that was awesome. <laughs> <it's> almost, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about rhythm, because those songs have, they're not going like, like you were saying, they're not going to be on beat. They're not going to be traditionally what's happening today because i'm dipping back into that old school and i'm making it my own that's true that's a different part of it too i'm adding my own sensibilities and yeah. there's a lot of parts in the songs i think personally not to you know horn or whatever but just you know i put it out because i enjoyed it right i thought wow this is pretty cool you know i'm putting this out so it's for parts and songs that um you know, uh, get intense, like the part of the War in the the Age of Iron. And that's like, right? And it goes right at the last vocal. And it goes, um, uh, Mamas die, babies die. What the hell is up? And it just goes, and the guitar goes And it's just like
2: wow,
1: You know, like And I mean, it's my own little production and all that But I could hear that there And that's what I'm talking about early About playing to the intensity rather than the theory of the music. I'm not knocking theory, but I like playing to intensity when I'm playing reggae and all that, and that, like parts like that, or like the part in um, Just Let It Go at the last vocal. I always kind of do this, I guess, but like, the truth is you don't serve that anymore. Like right at the end, and you could just see in the old days the club, man. You could see the whole scene. It just like a scene appears. It's like pictures. Like I'm playing the pictures, and when I can see the pictures, I can see the picture of when I'm playing um crisis. Crisis, it's a worldwide crisis. For some reason. This thing of Bad Brains, 82 though, not with me, but with HR and 82, when they're at CBGB's yeah. and everyone's flying all over the place and HR is in the middle, of like that's what Crisis, when I first heard it back, that's the picture that I saw. I was like, wow, this is really like that. And so, yeah, it's trying to uh, mush it up a little bit, mush up the rhythm, remake it, uh, Meltdown, was made with the intent of rewriting music. I am bored. I love music, love it, but I'm feeling a little bit, you know, with all the drop D tunings and all the, you know, all that stuff is great, but it's starting to sound like, you know, and it's like, whoa, what happened to na 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 because nah, nah, it's just rock and roll. What happened to all that? You know, like we need some of that too. So I'm trying to just, but I'm not trying to come back, write it in blues or anything like that. Most of that stuff is written in like, you know, I'm trying to, this has got to be different. This has got to sound like Jimi Hendrix made an album in this era with a lot of other free cats from different ages. That's all I could say. Just a lot of other free cats from different ages in those great musics. All my heroes, Prince, Jimmy, all of them came together. Bad brains, all of them came together and said, All right, you know, Todd Youth <laughs> now chiming yeah. in, like, all right, here we go. We're gonna make some old <laughs> like like the
2: old hardcore. Yeah. yeah. So it was it's great, man. It was super fun yeah. making the record happened like and, that. Awesome. Uh, you touched up on something. And it seems to be that nowadays, and maybe it's to me, it seemed to happen somewhere in the 90s, where there became more superficial and less substance. And I was always kind of shocked when I was having friends tell me, Well, you know what, I don't like all the I, you know, I don't like all the R&B stuff. I don't like the auto tune. I don't like you know, the, the, the high production value. I like Rage Against the Machine, because it's only drums, guitar, and vocals. There's no, like, production. And they're like, well, there's a truth to it, because there's substance, because it's, you know, it's, there's less depth in the production, but there's more depth in the meaning. And I looked at them, and I go, why haven't you been listening to punk why don't we grab? Why don't we grab some punk here? Let me let me grab uh, some of my old uh, TSOL, DRI's, Dead Kennedys. Here's the rock cassette. Go play yeah, that. Yeah, get Asian Orange. You know, Butthole mm-hmm. Surfers. I mean, yeah, let, let's, absolutely, let, man. Yeah, A let's, let's DK get in there. Yeah, it's like let's A get. Go play Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's it's like if you're if you're tired of of superficial and overproduction, then go back to uh, the roots of truth. And yeah. I believe that's always been punk and, and that, that's, that's right yeah go ahead i was going to say and one of the great things about punk is again judging a book by its cover it's a very one of the most inclusive societies that you can be a part of yeah they don't they, they i have yet to meet anybody who listens to punk who who discriminates against somebody else for anything right. i agree
1: i can agree I mean, there, there. Uh, okay, I can agree. Uh, definitely, too That being a point, said, yeah. there are there are the segments, the Nazi skinheads and stuff like that, yeah. right? But yeah. I don't consider yeah. them uh, in the vein of what we're talking about. I know what you're saying. The average punk kid that's just listening to punk and into like you know, spike in his hair or whatever, He is a good person, man. Just really inclusive, really free, non-judgmental. That's how I found my way. It was great. It was great entering a group of folks that didn't look at me like, didn't know who I was really. I didn't have to tell them where I was from or what, what was going on. You know, I just showed up. It wasn't even a question. It was just like, I showed up with a band possibly, you know? I mean, I was showing up with friends, but like the first time people started seeing me perform, uh was with the group and um, it was just all love, man. It was never weird, just all love yeah. and I never I never felt anything but love from the the punk and the even you know the rock and roll community, the heavy metal community. I love them and they love you know, they've all shown love to me over the years and the reggae the reggae community, of course, the Rasta community okay. you know? yeah. all of it, all of it, man I've met all types of folks country. Hip hop, of course, I grew up with hip hop. So every time I meet like a member of the Wu Tang Clan, I'm still like, whoa, oh, the Wu Tang Clan. Like, oh man, is that Jizzle? Is that, you know, nothing bad, you know? And, uh, you know, so like, you know, Rayquan and, you know, Ghostface, that that's like, to me, those dudes, you know, so like, all that. So all Liquid that still- Swords is one of my favorite <laughs> rap albums ever. Yeah, Liquid Swords is is, is oh, crazy. Man. Killer Priests. I ran into Killer Priest at a show one day, and I was just like, we were chopping it up though, real cool. But yeah, the the idea of doing music that's not produced at the highest value is what I'm into right now. And and like you were talking about, right now to me, music sounds great and love 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 to all the bands out there you know all you guys out there you're the best and keep making the sounds but how i feel now personally is not a dislike it's just that i feel we could use a little less raw anger to reflect on is that's all we're reflecting on because we will create a system of youths and a group of youths that will only know raw anger music. And then after raw anger music, there's no more music, because you can't do anything else after raw anger. You can only smash your instruments then, right? You can only, and we have to remember that punk rock was not about raw anger. It was about people who didn't fit in, trying to fit in. People who couldn't play jazz well enough people who couldn't play rock and roll, people who wouldn't play Zeppelin well enough. And they formed their own groups in their garages. And they were the punks. Punks are not mean big dudes. You can be, but you don't have to be. Punks were punks. They were the dude the rejects, the guys who people didn't like, the people who got dissed because they were skinny, like Joey Ramone. You ever take a good look at Joey Ramone, guys? Tall, lanky, dude is about that thin, man. Who liked him back then? Who? But Jock didn't knock him around in high school, push him up against the locker. That's why Joe Ramon wrote those songs, right? That's why the punks are what they are. That's why the Rastas are what they are. This is reject music, guys. It's not conformist music. It is anti-what is purist in the conformist fashion, not to be haters, but it is saying that I am free to be me, to just bang on a guitar and hopefully without construct or contrivance, I've come up with something that's good, that's listenable and meaningful. And that's all punk is. It wasn't contrived. And we have to get back to that. We have to stop... The whole idea that everyone is tuning down to D and everyone's going to just be quiet and then get raging and be quiet and then get raging. And it's great. It's great. I mean, I love that I rage against them. First people i ever heard did that was who was not even a rock band. It was a rap group called black sheep. And they had a song called engine number no. nine. And when that hit New York, it tore New York apart, especially the part that went, the whole song was like, but there was a part that went, and in that was the part where he went, he was rapping, rapping, and when he went, he went, engine, engine, number nine on the New York Transit line. If my train goes off the track, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Back on the scene, press me a train, And that was the first time we ever experienced that energy. Like, oh my, when that happened in the parties I was in, bro, we would just be like, Rah! that's where Onyx <laughs> came of with it because Slam! Slam. Yeah. that was yeah. the effect it was like that was happening in hip-hop it was gold it was like to me that's where i was i was i was a rapper but that's when i was really like 17 18 19 coming into myself man like going yo this is who we are we're about to whew, it's about to be a, a, a movement it's about to change everything yeah. and that was the first, it, was, it wasn't Rage Against the Machine with, fuck you, I going to do what you tell me. It was credit to Rage, blessings to y'all, I hope, <laughs> we, see again. I hope we play shows again, I'll never forget Reading, England, 58,000 people jumping and jumping, it was unreal. I hope we play shows again, big up to Zach, big up uh, Rage. But. It was. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, somebody may smack me and be like, "No, don't smack me, all right?" Because I'll fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll fight. <laughs> but uh, somebody might say, "Oh, it is man? Come on, man! It was Come on, that's rage." But I just think it's Black Sheep. I think Black Sheep came with Engine Number Nine and yeah. changed it. Changed the game for jump around music. But yeah, music that has that lack of production but a lot of energy. I think is where it's going. The system is slowing down. People are getting poorer, uh, harder to live, going back like it was in the 70s. Joe Biden just took a presidency. He's gonna have a hard presidency because we have a hard society. We're going back to uh, quiet days of introspection where we're inside because of the virus. That means no trip to big studios. This album, Meltdown, was done, if if I show people when the future, God willing, I live and I show people how it's done, they're going to trip. They're going to be like, what? They're like, "You what? This is like knife and fork, like little students. Like, what did you do? Like plastic students, you know? But like, you will see, it was very, but I meant it to be. I meant to be minimalist, and that's what we're talking about. No, just minimalist, really using the amplifier and the guitar for what it was, what it was before they invented the pedals. I I didn't use Pro Tools. I didn't use effects i didn't use loops i didn't use none of it i mean i just used very minimalist things to make this album happen and that's what it's all about for me from now on for a little while you know
2: well however you make it out as simple or as minimal as you made it it's the the whole album i like the whole album you were able to produce a great sound and great songs that was important end. to me. Those two things were really important that it was a great sound at
1: the end, no matter what I did. And it was moving to me, amazing them make good songs. So, yeah.
2: Awesome. Sean, do you have anything?
0: No, I can just say this was actually probably one of the coolest chats I think I've ever had. So, Israel, I really have to thank you. I hope we get to meet in person one day because here. this was awesome. <laughs>
1: so, great. Yeah. Same here. Can I just say one thing? Can I give a shout out? uh, So I just quickly want to shout out all my peoples out in Phoenix, all all, all over Arizona. Let's not single out any towns, just all over Arizona. Blessings. Uh, I like how you guys came through this year on the voting. I know that uh, Trump may have appealed to a lot of people out there, but as America, we are a nation of changing episodes and we'll all be okay, because we have a constitution that is gonna be, you know, hopefully keeping some some sane minds. So we'll be all right, and you guys just take care, keep your PMA, and pick up my album, Meltdown.
2: It's available everywhere, online. Okay? See, yep, Israel, if you can, tell everybody the, the links where they can find you. On, on social media, YouTube, any of this, um, the music. Okay. So i just put out an album meltdown
1: and you guys can find me on youtube israel joseph i that is the youtube music you guys can also download me from amazon music under my name israel joseph i on deezer spotify and you can go listen to the album at israel Joseph I. Now. Com forward slash, and that should get you right to Meltdown, and right under the photo, there are widgets, and you can click on one of those widgets, which is Spotify or Apple, iTunes, your favorite one, and download the album. Please remember to support independent artists. I'm an independent artist, and when I say support, I mean in a way that we can continue. If you like the music, then support it because then that means I can continue making music uh, that you like and that help that I like as well you understand so try and support and that's what all artists you can do that for if you can painters sculptors people who are doing podcasts so download the album and support it if you can and I thank you guys so much big up Arizona
2: Israel thank you thank you so much for for showing up yeah dude you are more awesome than I I was expecting and i appreciate the fact that you are a good human being thanks for being a good human being wow
1: that means a lot man you guys be be blessed man whatever y'all doing i hope it's gold